Hey, it's G-Pod with How I Work, the Just Programming Mix. When I'm programming, I'm centered broadly on the cyclical application of small textual changes, each one producing value that I then harvest to identify, enable, or energize the next one. Before we dig in, this is how I roll code. It's not a prescription of any kind for you. I have a prescription for you and I can offer it, but it's got almost nothing to do with this level, with what you'll hear here. These are details. The the prescriptions are at a much higher level. You do you. That's my advice. A couple of words first about environment. I roll code using an IDE almost exclusively. I use IntelliJ's family these days. I, I have tons of experience with Visual Studio and Eclipse both. I've used a number of others at different times and gradually set them aside when I found ones I liked more. I use an IDE because I like my tools to know as much and sometimes even more than I do about my language, my libraries, and my project. I found them quite useful to me in dynamically typed languages and absolutely invaluable to me in static ones. Now, left to my own devices, I will normally use Git for my source fault. Of course, like any longtime geek, I've used them all. I use Git very simply. I avoid cherry picking changes. I avoid manual merges. I live branchlessly, pulling from head, pushing to head, testing at head. 90% of my Git usage is contained in just four commands. Pull-R, add dot, commit-M, and push. I use the root do for all of that. When I do get stuck with a manual merge of any kind or size, I normally just emit some obscenities, throw away my change, and do it again. Some meta points. Meta number one. As a longtime geek, I read maybe 25 or so programming languages. I can write eight, am fluent in five, and am expert in three. Fourth, C and C++, Java and Kotlin. A A little early to claim Kotlin expert, but the fallback to Java helps a great deal there. My dynamic languages are Python and Ruby. Meta number two. I've written every kind of software professionally with just one exception, that of professional video game development. I've written hard real-time, database to web, desktop apps, analytics, process control, device drivers, whole UIs, spreadsheets, word processors, you name it, I've written it. Meta number three. Collaboration is actually central to professional software development, but I'm going to lead most of that in this mix. In a full team, I like to solo, pair, and mob, roughly one-third of the time each. Now, all three of these are skills, and I've studied them and practiced at them to get better. To cases, then. The first thing I do when I roll code is reassure myself by whatever means that I meet two criteria. One, I have a problem I more or less understand. Two, I have a problem I, more or less, can solve in one and a half good days. Now, how I do that is neither here nor there for this mix. The point is that I do it. I'll push both those limits sometimes, though not usually at the same time. Two and a half good days I might be able to live with. Or uh, I'll go there if I'm pretty sure the problem is somewhere in that pile over there. Once I have that problem, the code rolling begins, yeah? Well, unless I'm working on a problem I'm already quite intimate with, I start rolling code by um, furiously not typing anything into the computer. 
You ever watch a King Hell drummer set up a full kit for a serious concert? She'll get things into a rough approximation of her standard arrangement, and then she tinkers. Raise that a half inch. Move that just a little further to the right. No, wait, the left. Move it back. Oh, there we go. There we go. She'll hit a thing twice. As she proceeds, it might take an hour. She'll play short phrases where she hits two things or three. They get progressively closer to sounding like whole little chunks of music. It's really quite cool to watch. I, for the life of me, can never quite tell what she's sensing. But I know what she's doing. What she's doing is situating herself. Centering herself in the elements of her problem and her range of tools for solving it. Now, I use situating as a word on purpose. She's building what the army calls situational awareness. Now, her problem and her tools for solving it are very different from mine, but I totally recognize the situating because that's what I do too. I even thump things a few times sometimes and make little adjustments to them until I get them just so. As a, as a pure code monkey, my greatest asset is unquestionably my ability to organize in mind space, to rapidly arrange and rearrange ideas out there where the platonic forms live. To do that, I have to know where those things are now, what kinds of things they are, their size, and their shape. But situating myself isn't just remembering what's there. It's ultimately formulating some kind of change plan. I do that by doing things that amount to a kind of labeling. I'll stick little labels on the little pieces that I'm looking at. Blocker. That one's a detail. This one's totally irrelevant. Oh, bingo. Scary. Hackable. Change plan sounds like I'm making a list or something, and I might be if the problem is hard or the existing design is bad or I'm having a nervous day. But just as likely, I'm just banging around in the code, scanning things, following links, checking something and then double checking it a little later. I might draw a picture. I might rubber duck it with my long suffering wife or my infinitely patient dogs. I do some of the work pacing around outside smoking. Sometimes I mentally practice giving a presentation to a room full of geeks about what I'm about to do. Finally, I reach a place where my confidence and my nervousness are in some right tension and I'm ready to start making some damn changes. The changes I make are small. In fact, I start them that way by asking questions in a certain rough and sometimes varying order. What's the smallest change that, well, one, the language will think is legal, or two, is detectable by me, or three, is detectable by a test, or four, is detectable to a user, in, in that approximate order. But it isn't as simple as sorting on a single criterion. I also throw stuff in the mix like... Uh, Enabling. Those are changes that enable other changes, and they come sooner. Sexy. Changes that are really cool, they come later. No-brainer. Changes I have complete confidence in come sooner, and so on and so forth. In a typical day-and-a-half problem, I might spend a couple hours just wandering around in the code doing all this. Of course, it's much faster if the code is expressive and tested. Notice, by the way, how much wild uncertainty there is involved in all this. And pondering and sorting and plan making and goofing around in the code. It's, it's basically guesswork shaped by experience and taste and the gradual refinement of my situational awareness. Then I change the code. In some problems, 
the bulk of the changes are actually enabling ones. That is, I'm smooshing the code around typographically without changing what it does to get it all lined up for a string of real changes. The other word, of course, for smooshing code around typographically like that is refactoring. Because I use an IDE, I use and prefer a lot of automated refactorings because they're fast and generally regarded as though not guaranteed in all circumstances to be safe. But I can't use automated refactorings for everything. So I mix and match manual and automatic. Depending upon my confidence level and the size of the change, I might start these changes by writing some tests around what it does now. But I might not. When I get to a real change, I do it by first deciding whether or not it's testable. If it is, I write a test for it. If it's not, damn it, I have to decide whether I can make it testable with some enabling changes or whether it's simply not worth the cost of testing. Some folks, quote, always, close quote, work outside in, meaning that they start by changing things near the top of the dependency graph and work their way down until they're done. Some folks always work inside out, meaning that they start by changing things near the bottom of the dependency graph, and then they work their way up until they're done. I don't always do anything and have and do work sometimes in both of those ways. But mostly what I do is I think my way from the top of the dependency tree down to what I regard as the core change. And then I test and code the enable changes needed below it, and then test and code my way back out again. I obsess over the size of the changes I make. A typical pull, change, push cycle in a Kotlin app is something from three minutes to 15 minutes in duration. I can go 25 to 30 if it feels uh, good, just a little more time consuming than I thought. I very rarely persist after 45 minutes. I toss it and I start over. That thing, toss and start over, is super important and it comes as a surprise to a lot of geeks, young and old, who seem to me a little too attached to what they've already typed. You know, typing is easy. Knowing is hard. When I fail at a change after 45 minutes, I'm failing at it because I didn't know what to type. Further, whatever I did type since I started that change is ipso facto not enough to close the change. It's just byproduct to me, to be disposed of. That's also why I don't normally do hand merges. I mean, good lord, it's just typing. And it took me as long as it took me largely because I didn't know what it was going to be until I typed it. Now that I know, I can type it one hell of a lot faster. The real point, I think, for me, at, at least of this one, is that my system for rolling code is one centered heavily around cycles of small changes, harvesting of par partial value, and using a lot of judgment. There's no lurking algorithm in how I code. So we'll wrap this now. I can do more of these how I work muses focusing on aspects other than the just programming part, and I will. Meanwhile, though, I'm G-Paw. Thanks for listening.